Backpack Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. to tell podcast episode 140 dexter henry vine fonseca bringing it to you talking about the best of stuff in sports hip-hop anything else going on in the world what's up b how you doing 140 of these man 140 we're coming up on three years too on that note we're coming up on three years in a month and a little bit of change but about a month and a week a little bit like that about 36 days so um Still yeah. being responsible, you know what I'm saying? I actually kind of like wearing the mask outside. I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but I actually like wearing the mask outside now. I've come to that point. Because you don't like, want I, people all up in your mouth. Yeah, I don't want people to see my lips. I'm at that point. Like, I, like it's, it's just like, yo, I kind of like the idea of me just walking around and all you can see are my eyes. My glasses too, but like my eyes. You know what I mean? So you could just like really you can you can you can grill everybody if you want to. You could judge people who don't wear masks, which I do frequently, especially on the bus where they allow them on for some reason sometimes. But yeah. What what's crazy is like, I thought about that the other day, how just wearing a mask you don't get to really can read people's emotions as you're walking around. Which is like it. which is good and bad. Um it's good for you if you want to hide some emotion of disgust or dismay. Although I feel like even if I didn't have a mask on if somebody's doing something crazy, I'd probably hide it well, but still would shake my head or whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it is it is interesting. You can't see yeah. that. But hopefully uh, most of you guys out there are still wearing your mask and doing what you got to do. I, st- I feel like I still see most people doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I, I, if I had to estimate every time I leave the house, I would say between 80 and 90% of people are wearing masks, the, I would say. The thing, I, would the, also, I would yeah. also like to add that probably 95% of Hispanic and black folks are wearing masks outside from what I've seen in my experience. Uh, yeah. that out there. I, so. I've, seen, I've seen pretty much most people. I feel like, you know, where I live, most people are wearing it. I even went to a store yesterday to pick up an item and it was a supermarket and I went to pick up an item and most people were there. Now, there's one mask that I wear in particular that I feel like I forget when I'm wearing it that it gets a lot of attention from people. People will be like looking at my mask and like, oh, I like it. I have a mask that says, give me 50 feet. And people, <laughs> yeah. And so people, Damn, uh, yeah. Shout, shout out, shout out to uh, uh, my connection friend or person I know from middle school, Kalila Wright, uh, who has a company called Mess in the Bottle. I've wore a bunch of shirts from her on this podcast and different stuff. And she designed it. She designed the mask. Shout out to my fellow Skylar Wright. Uh, she designed that mask, and it has. I saw when I saw it months ago. I copped it, and I have like a couple of them. And people are always like, "This guy, yes, he looked at my mask twice. He's like, yo." That's dope. People need to respect his face. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Sure. Yeah, they do. I also said people need to respect wearing a mask. That's another thing. But 
we we won't, sure. we won't even get into that. All right, a lot of things people need to respect. A lot of things going on in the world of sports. We're going to talk about this episode. I think something that I've realized, B, is, look, man, sports has returned. And I think what you could have seen, if we go back to the top with the MLS and we look at what's happened with Major League Baseball starting, and we're going to heavily talk about that, and also basketball and hockey now, I think you can simply put this down into a couple of words. And I said this to somebody who covered sports last night I was talking to. No bubble equals trouble. It's pretty yeah. much comes down to that. If you got the, if you're in the bubble, you got a chance to be good. If you're not in the bubble, there's going to be a lot of trouble. And the league that's in a lot of trouble right now, as we talked about this in the last episode, but it's, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse, people. Major League Baseball. It's absolutely gotten worse. And I think it's safe. And I think I said this on the last podcast. You talked about you didn't know if they were going to make it through the month of August. I said I don't know if they'd make it through two weeks. We are now coming up on towards two weeks. I don't know if that's going to happen. Now, we talked last time about the Miami Marlins outbreak, how bad that was. And for an update on that, the Miami Marlins were, I don't know if this has happened yet, but they were supposed to be transported via bus from Philly to Miami. Yeah. When I saw that, there was only one thing that came to my mind. Yo, who the hell is driving that bus? Same. The first thing I thought. Like, how much the would they, first thing. Ryan? How much would you have to be paid to drive that bus? Uh, six figures. That's it. Six, six figures. I'd do it. That's it. Yeah, maybe even seventy-five k. I might do it. It's <laughs> not enough. But but you gotta remember also, you're asking somebody without a license. Like for all we know, I I might not be able to drive. If we're going okay. based on how I drive in like Grand Theft Auto, then it ain't gonna end well. Nobody, it's gonna end. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? nobody should have you driving the bus. Then all you were the wrong person to ask for that. No wonder, <laughs> no wonder you got no license. You you have no experience. You're like, yeah, I'll take seventy. Yeah, I'll take seventy five k. I wouldn't take seventy five k, and I drive. There's no way I take that. And, and I'd have to be in a hazmat suit before I drive that. That's the only way I'm doing it. You got to put me in a hazmat man suit. Maybe I'll drive it. Be very sweaty by the time you get to uh, Virginia. But I might. But fine. <laughs> but I might not have. I might not have that Rona. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, okay. So anyway, somebody's going to do that and move this team. The Marlins uh, had, what, six of their games canceled until Sunday to be able to play again. 20 people had been affected within the team and players. But then later in the week, we found out there were more tests and came with the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals had to cancel games uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers, to which Lorenzo Kane said, peace, I'm out of here. I'm not. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be part of this. Opted out of the season. Can't yep. blame. Can't blame the brother. Can't blame anybody for that. All right. There now, right before us doing this this podcast, we're recording um, before this comes out. Another four people, one player and three staff members, uh, tested positive. That was on. That was Saturday, and four more members of the organization had inconclusive results. This is according to Jeff Passan of ESPN. Uh, all the games between the Brewers and Cardinals were canceled. I don't even think uh, there was supposed to be a home and home series between the Cardinals and Tigers this week. Right. right. That is now going to be all the games will be in Detroit. Um, and I now I'm thinking about Detroit. Do you want to play Cardinals? Because I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> even though they're coming to your stadium, I wouldn't. So, and then locally, uh, my man La Potencia, yeah, Joanna Cespedes who came back, hit a home run in the first game, 
Yeah. Uh, big contract year. He's been injured. Everybody knows the injury history with him. And look like this could be a big year for him to see if he could still play. He was AWOL from the team before their game uh, Sunday against the Braves and then found out pretty much towards the end of the game. Suspidus gave them the deuces as well. He is going to be opted out of the season. Look, Brian, when you see these players opting out, you see St. Louis getting these positive test results. It looks like there could be more. We'll find out. Are you? Can baseball finish the season? It seems like no. I I think that if I were – so if I'm a Lorenzo Cain and if I'm a Joanna Cespedes, even though Cespedes is in the final year of his deal and is playing for a new contract – yeah, he's good. He's he'll he should opt out because he's financially secure. He's gotten his money. He's going to get more money regardless of what happens this season. Although it doesn't look like they're going to finish even August, and we're now in August. I don't think they're going to even finish this month. Rob Manfred, there's already reports coming out talking about like, oh, he might have to suspend the season. He's throwing his blame at other people, which I'm sure you're going to have some words for yes, after do. I'm done with yes, this. Yes, I do. Um, but yeah, if I'm a major league player. Unless I'm a minor leaguer who's like trying to make it or somebody on the fringes or whatever the case may be, then yeah, I'm probably going to opt out just because of the uncertainty, everything that's going on. It's, it can't be great for your anxiety because you're always thinking about like, yo, you're always going to be scatterbrained. Like, yo, are we actually going to play? We have to travel here. But then didn't they just recently test positive? Like what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then we have an outbreak in our clubhouse. All it takes is one and then it becomes five and then it becomes eight and then it becomes 12. You know what I mean? All these things are going on. So baseball, to, to go to your point, right in the beginning of this show, should have done baseball in a bubble. Uh, there were reports about how they could have done it months ago. I think they were even one of the first leagues who sort of threw this idea out there. And they didn't even follow through with it, which is disappointing. Yep. I think if football doesn't have a bubble, which it doesn't like they're gonna it doesn't look like they're gonna have. Uh, then they're going to be in trouble also. We're not going to have a Super Bowl playoffs, none of that stuff, World Series, anything. So, you know, baseball has shot itself in the foot again, and it's not surprising. And it's unfortunate because they really had a chance to actually be at the forefront of this because they threw out that bubble idea early. And then with Yoannis Cespedes, again, I don't blame him at all. I mean, if you're a Met fan, obviously you could see why they traded for Billy Hamilton all of a sudden, but it looks like it's not going to matter within a few weeks. Yeah, I'm not sure any of that matters. Um, to one of your points, and I'll mention this in the podcast, I spoke uh, recently with two people who covered the NFL, and they both told me that, hey, look, this is this league is going to try to make a go at it. Uh, I think that's even crazy in itself. They said they're going to try to do it. Both people said to me, hey, I don't know how long this can last. And one of the people I talked to said, look, I think one of the major concerns is how quick this could spread within a team with the size of the staff you have, and you can see both players and coaches and other staff members get sick really quickly. That is definitely a concern in how they're going to be do that. I'm sure we'll touch more on the NFL later yeah, in the yeah. month. To baseball, you brought up the point about Commissioner Manfred. Uh, I believe this was this was Thursday or was it Friday. Uh, Manfred told uh, MLBPA Executive Director Tony Clark on Friday that if the sport doesn't do a better job of managing the coronavirus, it could shut down for the season. The this sport, he says. Sport, right? Not us. Not us. Not we. Not we. <laughs> I, I read this, and I, Jeff, Jeff Passon had tweeted this, and I read this, and I said, what? Are you, are, are you insane? How? And I tweeted this back, and I quote tweeted this, so you can look at my Twitter page. How is the commissioner telling someone else to do a better job of the handling the situation? Because somebody explained that to me. 
the buck stops with the commissioner. If the NBA bubble fails or something horribly goes wrong, yes, there will be blame on Adam Silver. And rightfully so. Um, the buck stops with the commissioner in all leagues. You are protecting interests of the players. You really work for the owners more so in protecting their interests. But you also want to make your product and your players feel safe and comfortable. That is part of your job. And to pass the blame on somebody else, if this goes as horribly wrong as, and I don't, I don't even know what horribly wrong is, but if, if this goes as wrong as we think, Brian, yeah. how we think this can go, we don't think it's going to end this month. Again, I'm still standing myself. I don't know if we'll get past this week. If this goes as horribly wrong, if they have to cancel all these games and all this other stuff, Manfred comes out of this looking bad. This is a sport that is headed towards a labor dispute. This is historically one of the most powerful unions in sports. I, this Players is most- have called them out publicly as well. Yep. Players have done that. And, and them feeling like they could do that is a problem to begin with. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's, let's also look at the horrible way he handled, because this is not just isolated to this, horrible way he handled uh, – you know, I forgot what we were calling it with uh, the Astros, uh, trash can gate or whatever the hell we were calling it. Yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. that was, yeah. he, they, he handled it horribly in that regard too, um, which I was not a fan of. And people called him out for that. And, and you could tell the players don't got no respect for him. Could you see anybody talking about Adam Silver this way? Adam Silver was somebody I was going to mention as well. Like I feel like even Roger, totally Good- even Roger Goodell. Who's got some haters on it? And now the NFL is just not as powerful as the union, so that's probably another thing too. But even Roger Goodell doesn't get talked, I think, about with this much disrespect. Yeah, I agree. Baseball's in trouble, in my opinion. It's already a sport that was losing interest in fans. Brian, we have talked about that on the podcast. They've tried to do some good things to get interest with younger fans. This is just pushing them away. They were not proactive, as I said in the last podcast. They were reactive. They look to continuously be reactive. And it, and if you're them, and we'll get to the NBA in a bit, but you're them, you got to look at these other sports, the NBA, the NHL, that are in the bubbles. I know it was hard for baseball to get in the bubbles because of where they wanted to put them, Florida, Arizona, where they've been doing a horrible job. But you didn't even try to do that. You didn't even try to come up with a plan to do that. And now you got people traveling. Now you got people who have got to bust people to back to their place where they were before, players who don't want to play. And I think if you get bigger players, star players that say, nah, it's going to get worse. Look, we already had David Price. But I think mm-hmm. if you get star players or players who are close to getting a big contract, you know, that 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 uh, somebody who is even due for a big arbitration eligible season, mm-hmm. that's where you're going to be like, uh, guys are going to be like, look, I don't know about this. Lorenzo Cain said, now he's not a star, but – He's gotten paid. He's a solid He's the player. biggest name and probably the best player so far that has said, I'm opting out. I yeah. Think he is. yeah. I'm really intrigued to see what other players do this. And to the players who've got their money and secured a bit of a bag or earned it for a couple of years, why would you want to do this? Yeah. Again, baseball has not shown to care about the players one bit. And to be fair, Cespedes said he opted out for COVID-related reasons. I got to trust that to be true. And somebody said, well, I was talking with somebody and they said, oh, well, who's also a Mets fan? And they were like, oh, well, you are you mad? Because now you don't have Cespedes. My interest in the baseball season has been waning because I don't believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to finish. Yeah. And that's the other thing. And we've talked about this shortly before we went on air. I find it very hard to just find an interest in what's going on in baseball on the field because I just feel like it's not going to materialize well off the field. Right now, I'm just not like – I get scores to my phone 
every now and again. Like I might put on a game for an inning or two, but for the most part, I'm not really even following baseball that closely because I have little faith that we're even going to see past August. You said it might not even get past this week. And I can't even say that that's unreasonable at this point because everything is just moving so quickly. Whereas we're looking at other things that we're going to get to uh, basketball, for example, and hockey and soccer. They've done well with mitigating this virus. I think soccer had a run MLS, uh, specifically here in the country had a run i believe of 10 straight you know periods of covid testing where they had all negative tests nobody testing positive they're in a bubble and i believe they're in florida also like all these teams are in florida and it's like they're the only people in florida right now that aren't testing positive for the virus but they figured it out because they were able to get in these bubbles and get into situations where players can be at their safest possible at this time yeah again it's pretty simple to me, man. No bubble, you're gonna have you're gonna have trouble. That's as simple as that. I don't see how this is. We'll get more into football. I'm concerned about these college athletes. I don't understand if you're a college athlete why you would play. I'm not putting my health at risk when I'm not getting paid. Why would I do that? Uh, yep. You know, I, I I don't. I think this is the time these players have leverage. We just saw some Pac-12 players write something in the Players Tribune talking about how they're not gonna they're not gonna play unless they get these certain demands. I think that's cool, but I'm also not sure how much these conferences care to protect the players or they actually can protect the players. Right. I'm not, not really sure. <laughs> They're not paying them, and I don't think they value them, and we've known that for quite some time. But that there's definitely more heavy on that we'll get to down the road. Um, so, I mean, like I said, right now in America, the way things are, if you have a bubble, you got a chance. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. Now, I'm concerned about the NBA in a couple weeks when they start bringing in family and friends into the situation, but at least they gave themselves a chance to make this work. And and, and I guess we'll start with the NBA, but Jimmy Butler was, interestingly enough, had an excuse from practice today where he had to quarantine. I don't know if he has a test that they don't know the results of yet, but, you know, if, if players were there and if he didn't leave, which we haven't seen a report of, then I don't know what could this be. But as of right now, the NBA has obviously done a good job. So Yeah, and, and, and we'll see. Speaking of the NBA, NBA is back, uh, returned uh, last week, started off. Has been some interesting stuff already in terms of play. Um, anything that surprised you, stood out to you uh, early on? I think we've seen some good play, some sloppy play. But uh, it's been it's good to see basketball back. Yeah, I'm going to start here because we just actually saw, right before recording this, uh, Celtics Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Jason Tatum, 34 and 8 assists. Kemba Walker, my guy, 
allegedly on this podcast. Alleg- uh, 14, oh, 14 points, 14 points, 22 minutes because he's not fully back yet. The ankle, you know, the knee and all that stuff that's going on there. But I think they're just gearing him back for the playoffs. The fact that they can still beat Portland without Kemba Walker. Well, you know, without Kemba Walker being Kemba Walker saying something. But I got to tell you, and we were talking about this. I really like this Portland team a lot. Uh, not as much defensively for reasons that Hassan Whiteside should be able to help out, but we'll get to him in a second. They can score with anybody in that conference. I agree. Anybody. Damian Lillard had 30. Nurkic had 30 and 9. And his second game in 16 months. Right. And five assists, by the way, which is why people have to – people – there, there are people that probably look at the stats and be like, wait, isn't Hassan Whiteside better than him? Da-da-da-da-da, you know, because what average this, this, and this. No, Nurkic's nice, man. 30 and 9. He wasn't even doing that before the injury. You know what I mean? Like, he's had time to really, and this is where this is where we're starting to see those jumps. People were talking a lot about Brandon Ingram the other night, and we're starting to see guys like Karis LeVert had a 30-piece today, though he shot 11 for 25, but he kind of has to because of he's that. He's got to shoot 25 pounds on that with the rocks yeah. he's got around him. But if you if you really just do just math, right, and you're looking at how much time these guys have had from when the season ended in mid-March, this is an off-season that we just experienced. And now we're getting into not a continuation of last season, but this is like a brand-new season. Guys like Brandon Ingram might as well be in his fifth year. Jason Tatum is almost like another year of experience. They had a lot of time to, you know, some guys weren't able to necessarily shoot around. Like, guys live in condos, and we talked about this. Not everyone has access to a hoop for a lot of that time. But what you can do is fix everything up here. And I'm pointing to my head for people listening to this podcast. You get to watch game film. You get to study things with your eyes and actually do things you don't have time to do during the season more often. You get to actually grade performances in a way that you wouldn't be able to before because you don't have a game the next day. You know what I mean? Like you can really get into things and dissect things and then do specific workouts to try to get muscle, which you, which is also hard to put on during the regular season as well. You just have more time to sort of account for those things. And I think we're going to see who's going to take advantage of it, who is not, which leads me to Portland. Uh, Damian Lillard. 30 points and 16 assists. I forgot about the 16 assists. I just look. But I think they can score with pretty much anybody. I think they can beat anyone in the Western Conference in a series outside of the Lakers and Clippers. I wouldn't favor them against Denver. I wouldn't favor them against the Lakers or Clippers, obviously. But I think that they could beat them because of Nurkic playing the way that he's playing. Zach Collins is a starter. Melo is down to the three, which is going to help. They don't have Trevor Ariza, but I don't think that's a big loss, to be honest. Anthony Simons, who's a talented score off the bench, didn't even play. And Hassan Whiteside. And Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. has been really good in the first two games. Gary Trent Jr., 21 points off the bench. That's another thing. Hassan Whiteside played 16 minutes today. That, tell, that tells me all I need to know. Like, this is somebody, we were talking about contract years earlier. This is somebody who's about to be a free agent. Hassan Whiteside is the Keith Murray of the NBA. I said this in a group text with you and Gerard. This is why he's the Keith Murray at NBA. You ready for this? Are you ready? I, I'm ready to hear this. Hassan Whiteside, like Keith Murray, super talented. They put up gaudy numbers. Keith Murray has, you know, great verses, uses big words. Hassan Whiteside puts up big numbers, gets a lot of block shots or whatever. But when it comes to the substance of what they actually do, there's very little to show for it. Keith Murray probably has one good album in his career, no disrespect, because I am a Keith Murray guy. But... 
you know, the most beautifulest thing in the world. And even when you listen to that album, yeah, there's a few skips. Hassan Whiteside, probably only one great season where he was all defense, second team, and he actually played some defense. And then people started to realize, oh, wait, he's just out here trying to chase numbers and block shots. Just like Keith Murray, sometimes when he raps, it's kind of like he's just saying big words. And, I, you know, I don't really kinda. know, like, you know, I don't really know, like, what's going on there. So to me, Hassan Whiteside, Keith Murray, and that's what I got on Portland, but, you know, I, I I like what I've seen from just, I just like seeing NBA games in general, but I've liked what I've seen from Portland probably more than other sleeper teams that I've seen so far. Yeah, I think I, you want him to get in. I know our boy Gerard Hector, he's concerned about seeing the Trailblazers play his uh, Grizzlies, you know, tough loss for the Blazers. <laughs> they have a very tough schedule. That's it. If Portland gets in to the playing game, they're going to have earned it. Uh, you know what I'm on that? Yeah, on that note. I think I think everyone has a tough schedule because you took out the bottom eight teams that all these other 22 teams used to just beat up fair, on. Fair point. I was looking that's at Miami's great, schedule. I was looking at Boston's schedule. I was looking at all these teams. They're all playing, you know, good, if not relatively good teams. All teams that are basically playoff worthy. If you're in the bubble now, you're in the top 22, you're playoff worthy. So I think everyone has a relatively, I mean, some are easier than others, but everyone has a relatively difficult schedule now. I yeah, think no, me. I think I think that's a good point. Um I think a team that impressed me, and I feel like we saw them coming up right before we, you know, had the shutdown in the NBA, but the Raptors, we got to start putting some respect on their name, man. We got to, they beat the Lakers um, in in a very impressive performance. I watched the game. They played very good ball. Now, there's one advantage I think the Raptors have over everybody else, and I think it's that they got down, they were down there earlier because they had to come from Canada, and they've been getting to their practice, playing together longer. They looked, in the games I played, I thought the Clippers looked good in their second game they played, um, especially when they were playing without Lou Will and, and uh, Montrez. But the Raptors look like a well-oiled machine right now. Defensively and offensively, this looks like a team that's been playing together for a month, has been around each other, that has a camaraderie, that's back into their sets, running their sets. Kyle Lowry looks confident. You know who looks like they benefited from this break? And is now, you could say he's into, like, as a fourth-year player, OG Ananobi was already quietly having a good season, and now he just looks confident, taking the corner three, being that 3 and D player. Pascal Siakam do what he has to do. Marc Gasol slimmed down and looks rejuvenated, like yeah. he's ready for a playoff run. Look, everybody thought there was going to be this big drop-off with the Raptors. I did. We, I think we had around I was, I was six or something. Season yeah, <laughs> we were disrespectful. We could say we're wrong. We had around six or something like that. Most people, 500. Most people did. Nick Nurse is the coach of the year, in my, in my opinion. Um, I think I'd also probably give it to Taylor Jenkins. Nick Nurse is the coach of the year. He's got them. They have one of the top defenses. They're, what, still number two in the East right now. Do you want to play them? They handled the Lakers extremely well. They were not afraid. They were strong defensively. Like I said, they looked well offensively. So they're a team I'm really going to keep my eye on in this bubble. And, like, maybe it's time we got to start putting some respect. They have some championship medal. Yes, they don't have Kawhi. But it's going to be intriguing to see what Siakam can do in the playoffs and if that hurts and how that how he adjusts the first time being a guy in the postseason. We'll see. But the one thing I'll say that'll keep him in games, man, is that defense. And I'm really, really impressed um, with them on that. Another team I would all say out west, you had Portland. Uh, OKC had a nice win in their second game against uh, the Jazz. They've been messing stuff up all year long. They're scrappy. You don't really want to play them either. I'm not saying I bet for them to win a playoff series, but I don't know if you want to play them. The bottom of the West could be – you can see some upsets, and it wouldn't shock. Yeah. 
I actually think that Toronto could come out of the East. I don't you think know, that's crazy. Like, I actually think Toronto could come out of the East now, which we, is obviously... We, we, just, a, we just keep disrespecting Milwaukee. We don't believe in that. <laughs> we don't Complete believe 180 it. to what I said before, but the East is so... I mean, you have... To me, you have five five teams I can see coming out of it. Although Philly... Uh, I, you know what I mean? I'm still not... I'm still not completely there with Philly yet. I just don't know. You know what I mean? Again, Ben Simmons makes three in preseason... Real game start, and I don't so much to see him to try to even take one. You I watched, know what I mean? I watched him play Indiana and saw TJ Warren giving them a 53 piece, and they looked out of sorts. And like some of the stuff we can't overreact to because it's the first game, or that you know, these teams are still adjusting and coming for breaks. So you are going to see some sloppy ball. I'm TJ not, Warren could score. Yeah. Like I wasn't going crazy about the 53 piece necessarily, but I'm not. I'm not going to go all crazy about who looks bad and who doesn't in the first two games. I expected some sloppy play. I expected some teams to not have this stuff together. It is what it is. Like, yeah. we got. I, I think by the time we hit games four, five, and six in this restart, you'll see some teams play better. It'll also be interesting because some of the teams that are higher seeded, like the Lakers and Clippers, they're going to sit guys down. Once the Lakers have the conference wrapped up, which I think one more win will probably do that for them, they're going to sit some guys down. Milwaukee's probably not going to play Giannis down the stretch. Those things could affect some teams at the bottom, so it's going to be really interesting how these coaches manage that. That's something I'm definitely going to be watching as we go forward. And I'm glad that we have this period to sort of assess that. Like, if we kind of went straight into the playoffs, it would have been very weird. It would have been very Uh, It would have been good for the product of basketball. Yeah, it wouldn't have been. It probably would have been safer, I guess, if you want to, like, use that. But, you know, for the sake of like COVID and trying to stay away from that. But at the same time, it's like, no, if, if it also gives you time to sort of get some positive tests out the way, like, you know, when we, when they first got into the bubble, there were some guys that had the quarantine because they just had it. Russell Westbrook took his time getting into the bubble as he should have James Harden, Rashawn Holmes, he stepped out and you like, you get to work out all those kinks. So right now you start to see that they're finding their groove a little bit. So yeah, I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from the Raptors to go back to that. And who was the other team that you just mentioned that you said that you're nervous about? I just I, like nervous? I wanted to, yeah. Uh, oh, is it Milwaukee? Was they talking? You talking about Milwaukee? Milwaukee and Philly, Philly, Philly more so. Philly more so. It wasn't Milwaukee. Philly more so because Milwaukee. Right. I mean, we have to see what's up with Eric Bledsoe. Uh, but you know, and if he's gonna like, how's he gonna play in the playoffs when they get to that point? Philadelphia, man, I just don't know. I did see the video, the clip of uh, Joel Embiid arguing with Shake Milton at the sideline the I other game. That. I saw which that. Which is pretty funny. I was like, "Wow, all right." So did, that, any, that, did anybody ask them what they were arguing about? Because I did not. I did not catch that. I don't know, but I would have. Yeah. <laughs> I would have wanted to, but you know, I just they're don't probably, know. They're probably not going to share it though. Yeah, I just don't know with Philadelphia. Ask. I just don't know with Philadelphia with Indiana. I don't. I'm not sure. I, I feel comfortable saying that. Like, I can see the Celtics getting to the finals. I can see Miami getting to the finals. I can see Toronto getting there and Milwaukee. So, four teams in the East. And from the West, it's a two-team race to me. Denver's sort of that wild card. And, you know, we'll see if Bol Bol continues to sort of get these minutes and get the looks that he's been getting so far. Though, I don't know how, how much that will continue in the playoffs. But to me... In the West, I'm really looking for Lakers and Clippers. Which one of them is going to come out of the West? I think it's going to be the Lakers still. Then in the East, I think it's a four-team race. It's a six-team race, but it's really a four-team race to me. Philly has to prove it a little more to me. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to see what's up with that. And also, again, uh, hopefully for Miami's sake, 
Jimmy Butler doesn't have to miss an extended period of time because that can mean some muddy things going forward as well, obviously, given everything that he does. But, you know, an impressive win over Denver the other day where they won by 20 and Bam had a great game despite not even having been in the bubble because he showed up late. Uh, him and Kendrick Nunn, they both started, and Bam had 22-9-6 against Nikola Jokic. So I, I, I could see any of the them and the Raptors can really, really give Milwaukee problems. And that's what I want to see in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I, I, I could absolutely see that. I think those teams are dangerous. I still think Boston's dangerous as Kemba's going to get healthy. Mm. So we'll see as as they them get too, healthy. They got a lot of guys that can score. And you made the great points earlier about Tatum and, and even Jalen Brown was looking really – those guys look more confident. There's something I'm seeing different in them from the beginning of the season. So Boston – Brown's going to guard Chris Middleton too in that yeah, series. Yeah, Boston looks like they, they really are starting to hit their potential. Um, and they can shoot and they can score. I think – and if they defend well – look, the East is going to be interesting. Uh, and look, for Philly, man, it's now or never. They, they, there's a lot on them. There's a lot they have feel like they have to prove. Um, and I thought it might be easier for them getting away from the weight of the city in Philadelphia. But we'll see, man. It's they were be, great at home. so Not good on the road. And yeah. now there's really no home or road, but they are away from home. So maybe it's like the road for them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. The NBA is going to be really interesting to watch um, how it unfolds. Uh, you know, I think week to week you're going to see little things and see how we feel about uh, people in the playoffs. But, look, I'm excited about the playing game. Everything that can be coming forward from this. So I just hope everybody can stay safe and healthy and we can continue to see good NBA basketball. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. With all that. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind this week. Uh, I'm going to go second this week because I've got some stuff to say. Yeah, uh, mine is going to be quick. Fine, uh, what you got? Brian, what you got? Uh, real quick, this isn't my one time for your mind, but I do want to mention this because my background splinter cell. I am excited because I guess this is a one time for your mind also, but it's not as important as the next thing. I'm going to talk about my background too, so it's cool. Netflix is going to have a splinter cell anime. So we're not getting a video game yet, hopefully 2021, but we're getting a splinter cell anime, and the splinter cell anime is going to be written by or not only by this person, but he's sort of the the person that has been linked with the series in terms of being the head writer, and that is Derek Kolstad from John Wick, from the John Wick series. I had to look up to make sure I get that name right, but I'm excited for that. That's why my background splinter so again, even though it was again recently. I just hope that the series is good, and I hope it's not an action anime because Splinter Cell is not an action oh, so game. Oh, you want it to be like the stealth play that you yeah. see in Splinter I got to think they, I, I want, I gotta I think want it they to come that way. Cell. Right. You hope I want it just... to be true to like, it can, it, There's action in Splinter Cell. Right, but it's more, it's more like about a stealth game than when you get into the action game. I, I got it. Right. Like think, like, think about... You played Metal Gear. Metal Gear, right? which I love. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm think about how fan. much how much true action is there in Metal Unless Gear, you like, get caught, it doesn't really get that way. Right. Yeah, it's, or it's, or if like this moment calls for it, which you right. know, but you know, I just I just hope that they do it true to the series. It's two seasons, sixteen episodes they've already committed to, which, you know, is cool because that means 
that we'll get to see eight and eight. And that means that they have some faith that it could do well. And you got a very good writer behind it. If he's behind John Wick and the John Wick movies did very well and they're praised largely for what they've done, although I haven't necessarily seen them, but my brother really likes them and he's excited for this. So, you know, all in good, all in good with that. Now, uh, Side Hustle one year anniversary. I wanted to write something this week about it. Uh, August 2nd as they were recording this. So it was a day that I wanted to post something. Originally, I was just going to post uh, like the graphic of all the selections and awards and stuff that it's earned in the year that it's been out. But instead of just putting out a tweet and threading a couple of things, I wanted to throw some thoughts up into an article because I had a lot of them. And it didn't take very long to write or edit. So I was able to put that up on my LinkedIn so people could look at that. The link is in my bio on Instagram and on Twitter. It's my pinned tweet. So you can go check that out because it's not self-serving. I didn't want to make it self-serving. I wanted to make sure that people can take away some things. It was more, insp- it was more inspirational when I read it. More inspirational. That, that's good. That's good. And yeah. it, was just, it was just about you know just how the idea came about. Me getting fired from CBS Sports and how I sort of took that at age 21 Um, and not getting fired because I did anything wrong. It was just like, you know, they said, oh, we're going to work with your schedule. And then when the time came, they did it. But it is what it is. But I learned a lot from that. You learn a lot from how the industry works. And it's better to go through that when you're 21 as opposed to when you're 26. Uh, So, you know, it's it's uh, it's on my LinkedIn. So you guys can look at that. And it's called how I finally found comfort on my own terms. So hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, speaking of awards, before we go on, we should also mention Brian and I won mm-hmm. both won a uh, bronze award yes. for best uh, new media short at the yes. Independent Shorts uh, Festival of uh, the 2020. We just got that last week. Um, so definitely proud. This is for our work on the Sideline Stories La Cultura, a Puerto Rican boxing story, something we are very proud of. Um, so I encourage people, please check it out, support Sideline Stories, share it. Um, watch it. It's got an even increased amount of watches in the last month. Um, there's something like already 30,000 views on YouTube yeah. for this story. Um, it's something I'm very proud of. We know it's great work and it's starting to get recognized and we're hoping to, to let you guys know about some more stuff around that um, regarding that as well too. So, you know, we always wanted to try to you know celebrate our accomplishments and know people who support us enjoy that as well too. So that's always good. Celebrating the wins is important as is rest. Uh and people don't tell you that when you're yeah, growing up. <laughs> you have to, yeah. You gotta learn. You gotta learn. Take time for yourself. Uh, yeah. One time for your mind. Brian talked about what he had behind him. I'm gonna talk about what I got behind me for people who are watching, or if you're not watching, uh, behind me is one of my favorite uh, all-time New York Mets players. Um, he retired this past week. Jose Reyes uh, loved him when he came on the scene back in 2004 with the Mets. Uh, mm-hmm. Great. I, I like speed guys in baseball. Guys yeah. who can steal bases. I've always been a fan of the kind of player, and I love this flair and the passion he played with. Even in my time around covering the Mets, really good guy, um, and you know, in the locker room, and just a fun, fun-loving guy. And you know, he really was somebody who was proud to wear that Met uniform, even when in his latter years when he wasn't the same and he was on the decline. You know, him coming back and playing that that meant a lot. So I just want to salute Jose Reyes. Uh, he's a great Met. I wish the Nets had paid him and not let him go to Miami. Uh, those years ago, kept him and David Wright together. Sad. Yeah. I know Brian tweeted this last week that he said that you know that he and David Wright never won a, a championship together, and we thought they could have in 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, but such is the pain of a Met fan. But salute, <laughs> so, salute to Jose Reyes. I think he's a great Met. I think he should be in the Mets Hall of Fame. 
uh, ring, whatever the Mets have that they do. I think he's absolutely, his number should be there. I don't think the team will retire his number, but I think absolutely he should be there and be honored. There should be some space for him in City Field where they honor him because he's one, he's probably mm-hmm. one of the last great stolen base, base guys we've seen in the sport. Um, you know, because a lot of people don't steal bases much anymore, but yeah, he was exciting, man. In his youth, he was exciting flying around the bases. So when he hit something that could go for a triple, man, it was that that that's one of the most exciting things in baseball. So I, I always liked it. So salute to him, man, and best of best of luck to him in retirement. Yeah, uh, I don't usually for one time your mind one time for your mind. I generally don't touch sports. I generally try to look for something away for that. But something happened uh, around the NBA, and I think it's surrounding sports and culture at a large that we can't ignore. And Brian and I have had some discussions about this off air and there's a lot that's going on right now in sports and there's a lot of activism and people are kneeling and we're seeing black lives matter shirts and there's different messages on the back of jerseys in the nba and i'm specifically want to talk come to the anthem i think anybody doing any kind of uh activism or bringing any kind of awareness to something is always positive first and foremost i want to say that but honestly i really don't give a damn who kneels or doesn't kneel at all this stuff the same way I've talked about how hypocritical it is that people act like they care about who kneels. And most times at sporting events, people are getting a hot dog or doing whatever. If you want to jog in place when the anthem is being played, great. You want to do jumping jacks? Fine. You want to take a knee? Fine. You want to just stand at attention? Cool. I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter. It's what... Jog in place. Yeah, you can jog in place. Whatever you feel like you need to do. (laughs) Who cares? My, my, My thing is let people do what they want to do when there's too much. Now... I think because of the climate, then people are worrying too much, but there are going to be questions when somebody is not in unity and not kneeling in unity at one of these basketball games. And so the other night we saw Jonathan Isaac, uh, Afro-Latino, Puerto uh, Puerto Rican black man for the uh, Orlando Magic, did not only not did he not kneel, which was fine, and that's his choice, and I really have no problem with it. He also didn't wear a Black Lives Matter shirt um, that all the players have been wearing. And he basically said that he didn't feel like, and I don't want to misquote him, so I want to make sure I say it right. He kind of said that his views did not align with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in him being a Christian. He said, I believe for myself, my life has been supported through the gospel, image of God, all God's glory. We all do things we should do. We hate those we shouldn't, he said in a Zoom conference. Um, what I had a problem with with in those comments was, he was saying that his views, his religious beliefs as a Christian man did not align with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I thought it should be asked why that is. What specifically about it does not align with either the Black Lives Matter movement or the fight for social justice for people? Now, shout out to Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report because she did the thing that needed to be done. And she had a great uh, follow up to him and asked basically what religion had to do with the task of hand of social injustice. And Jonathan Isaac pretty much stumbled his way through that in a in a response. And he said, I don't think kneeling or putting on a t-shirt for me personally is the answer. Black lives are supported through the gospel. Oh, really? I don't know about all that. Historically, we all have things that we all do wrong. Whose wrong is worse? We all fall short in the glory of God. And Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports wrote a really good article on this that I thought was fine, which he questioned the same thing. And I'm going to say something that he said in this. Jonathan Isaac had an opportunity in this to do something good if he wanted to, actually, with his protest of the protest. But what he said was a bunch of nonsense. When people say nonsense, you got to call it out, right? Yeah. First of all, 
He said, who's wrong is worse. I'm going to say something. Hey, man, you know, it's not, there's not too many things worse than slavery. There's not too many things worse than systemically oppressing people, right? Like black people can't get rid of racism. Latino people cannot get a racism. All marginalized communities cannot get against, get rid of racism or the phobias that they face. It is upon the people with power to get rid of those things. So you can't yeah. look at it and put it on black people to end racism or, you know, other people to end home, straight people to end, you know, excuse me, people in the LGBTQ community plus community to end homophobia or transphobia, those things. Like, no, it's yeah. on the people who have been in the quote unquote dominant part of that culture or whatever it would be you know, the majority in that to make it more inclusive for people to end that. And when you do that, you're letting systemic racism off the hook. And I can't rock with that. So I think it's absolutely nonsensical. Here's where Jonathan Isaac messed up to me, man. He could have, as I said, he could have actually done something that was powerful here. Because I think there's an argument to be made that there's too much focus on the kneeling and the wearing of shirts and all this stuff. What could have been monumental is if he decried um, the, the sanitized, focused, tested nature of the NBA's protest and actually said that kneeling has lost its effectiveness. What are we doing further? What are, how are our owners putting money towards places that need to really enact change? That, if he said to me, hey, I'm through with the kneeling, I'm calling for more to be done by the people with the means and the power here, yo, everybody could rock with him on that. That actually would have been a protest within the protest that would have made a lot of sense and could have elevated... Things further, he could have actually said, "Hey, what's the point of saying Black Lives Matter, putting a message on a jersey, when there isn't actual things being done for change?" Fair question, fair point. I'd have no problem with that. The problem is, B, he didn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not what he said. And what I he, think, furthermore, I think he, I think he thinks he said that. In other words, but he did. I think he believes that <laughs> he didn't say that at all. He said everyone makes mistakes, which is true. Which is true. Yeah, and. I think but he also said we all fall short of God's glory. Like, yeah, that's also true. Also true. Yeah. My issue with this, and I want to be very clear, I have tons of respect for people of all faiths and all walk, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever. You, I think somebody believe in a higher power, dope thing, really dope thing mm-hmm. and powerful. But you don't get to hide behind your religion and how humanity should be treated or the fight for social justice and humanity in fact i would actually argue if your religion is really about what you say it's about for most people it's about love and helping each other and treating each other with kindness then you should be in the fight for social justice you should be using um your religion as a platform for it and don't act like the two don't align because that's not historically true the religion was a huge part of the the civil rights movement in the 60s reverend dr martin luther king was somebody who Pretty much, pretty, he was a reverend, and he also believed that white people could be better. That was pretty much his message, that he believed in the goodness that white people could do better and treat black people with equality and treat all people with equality. He believed in that through his religious beliefs and values. So don't tell me that it doesn't align. Cause if, and if you're not going to answer the question, it doesn't align. I don't buy any of that. Okay? Don't tell me it doesn't align with the Black Lives Matter movement. Don't tell me it aligns with the people who have been out here for years fighting in the streets for social justice for people. And where I also think it's wildly problematic, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, is that, hey, we've seen other things that have been problematic for religion where religion has been used to justify some of the worst things in this world, including slavery. So 
I think Jonathan Isaac has to answer more for that. And people that are defending this have to answer more for that. If you don't want to stand for the anthem, you don't want to show that's cool, man. But I don't think it's I don't think it's right to hide behind the cover of religion. And that's what you're doing. And the reason they're doing that is because most times when people say, hey, we all fall short of the glory of God, most people don't want to touch that. Most people don't want to speak yeah. on it. Most people don't want to want to argue it or answer it. But no, I think there have been some writers like Vincent Goodwill. Um, Taylor Rooks asked a great question to some others. There was another brother at Deadspin who actually was a Christian and wrote this. And he said, look, it is on us to do better as Christians and stand up against social justice. Because what our question is, and Vincent Goodwill wrote this, he said, what does religion have to do with a man having his neck kneeled on for eight minutes and 46 seconds? Or a woman being shot multiple times with a no-knock warrant? Please tell me what religion has to do with that. To use religion as a cover or a crutch, when religion has been at the forefront of social activism, especially within the black community, for many years, to me, that's a bit much in a reach. And you could do better. If, if Jonathan Isaac had protested the things I mentioned before and saying that we need to move things forward and that was a part of his protest, yo, I'd be with him. I'd say that was a courageous move and it would have been something to jump this conversation forward. And I'm actually hoping somebody does that. Yeah. But that's not what he did. And what he said was a bunch of nonsense. We don't always have to listen to a bunch of nonsense. Sometimes when people say a bunch of nonsense, we got to call it out for what it is. A bunch of nonsense. Yeah. And the only thing I would add there is that, you know, two things. One, and we're not going to get too deep into this because we're wrapping up. But one, we've seen this a lot. People try to... The, to me, the problem isn't necessarily religion more than it's people have been weaponizing it for a long time, which you alluded to. Right. And people are using it in ways that the religion itself is not really intended to be used if you actually follow it. And people aren't following the protocols. They're, you know, molesting children and using it for slavery and trying to justify, oh, you know, things that like people have turned it into conservatives have turned it into like a Christian thing. Like, oh, it, you know, you're, those are those are one and the same. And it's like, that's not, no, that's not how this goes. It's supposed to be spread love, not hate. And everything that you practice, like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So the way people have weaponized it, the translation has been lost so much over the years that a lot of people no longer know what they're talking about when it comes to the actual studies of what religion is supposed to be. And two, yes, you can believe in God and believe in science and believe that black lives matter and believe in social justice, and believe in wanting a better economy. Like, you can believe those things. Dexter does it. I do it. You know what I mean? Like, most people, like, yeah, we can we can believe all of these things. I can believe in God and put on my mask, which I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's fine. Right. I could also believe Black Lives Matter and wear a shirt and donate to this. And don't, like, it, th those things don't have to be compromised. I feel like we're in too much of a space where it's just either or with everything, and we don't really have to choose sides all the time when it comes to these things. So, you know, it's disappointing that Jonathan Isaac had to go out like that. And then Michael Porter Jr. co-signing him along with Clay Travis and Jason Whitlock, and those right there are the two co-signs of death. Once you, co once you get co-signs from those dudes, then it's pretty much a wrap for you. Uh, the, so the thing I like to see looking forward, because I think he'll get more questions if this continues to go on. But he, no, I've yet to see anybody answer my question or the question that kind of that Taylor Rooks brought up and Vincent Goodwill brought up, and it's what does religion have to do with any of this? How does it not align with the beliefs of the Black Lives right. Matter movement specifically? I would like to know that. I've yet to see somebody or somebody I know I went to school with who made a post about this sort of supporting what Jonathan Isaac did. And I, I generally don't respond to these posts, but I responded to it because I feel like sometimes there's just too many people pushing ignorance out there. 
and I yeah. responded to it. And I said pretty much what I said in this one time for your mind. And I still have not received an answer to that question. And I don't expect to receive an answer to the question because I think that's something they actually don't want to touch. That, that, and by the way, I would say, yeah. And, and by the way, I would say most NBA players probably believe in all the things that I said that you could believe in at the same time, as demonstrated by, you know, how they are. And, right. you know, they're, you know, Jonathan Isaac and Michael Porter Jr. aren't the only guys that believe in Bible verses in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, these right. are guys, and these are, a lot of them are God-fearing men. A lot of I, athletes are in general. And I want to also say that, like, you know, like I said at the top, I think we're doing too much and who's not kneeling for the anthem or whatever. And we saw Myers Leonard stood for the anthem, but he still wore a Black Lives Matter shirt and he's supporting his teammates. I don't and think by all accounts, he's he's like not one of those white dudes. You know no. what I'm saying? And by all accounts, he's an excellent dude. And Chris Haynes said he talked to him. And, and, and like, I think that just because somebody didn't kneel doesn't mean they don't support the movement. You know, if some pop pop chose to stand and Becky Hammond chose to stand, we know pop's politics and where he's at. Which is my point. The act is is not enough. It's about what you're really doing and saying with the message and how we're really pushing it forward. We need to make that matter more. What pop says more as a white man with privilege matters to me more than whether he stands or kneels. And yeah. I, I, I can care less about that. Like it's cool if he does, and I'm not knocking anybody for kneeling. Again. Do whatever you want to do during the anthem. Go to the bathroom, run in place, do a cartwheel. Who cares? If you care too much about what people do during the anthem, that's on you, and you need to look at the problem with that. Yeah, man, do a cartwheel. Do what you want to do. I, I don't I don't give a damn at all. Look, let's push this thing forward. As LeBron said the other day, as our people who are fighting for this change, let's keep our foot on the gas. Let's not be distracted by these folks that are trying to take away from it, and let's call out the people that say nonsense around these narratives that try to detract from what we are doing. Not today, homie. Not like today. Jonathan Isaac and Michael yeah. Porter. Yeah, not today, guys. Not today. Yeah. All right, that's it for episode 140 of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you stay tuned to what's coming up uh, in the coming weeks around sports. Will it happen? As I said, man, if you got no bubble, I think there's going to be tr- there's gonna be trouble. So. Yeah. You know, everybody just watch. It's going to be very interesting watching how sports and society intersects over the next few weeks. Uh, please continue to subscribe to the podcast. Rate, review us. Also, if you want more content from us to see stuff like we've done, like La Cultura, which just won an award, or some other stuff we've worked on, and continue to do that work, support us via Patreon. Uh, there's a link in the description of the show. Also, be sure to take a survey. Check out our partnership with Audible for a 30-day trial for a free audiobook today. For episode 140, for Brian Fonseca, who likes wearing a mask so nobody can see his lips. Yep. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Mm-hmm.